Hello world, welcome to the High Paying Bastards. We are your hosts, Ian and Ari. Here we will discuss anything related to video game culture, so please take a seat and join us. <laughs> let's jump into some fucking news, goddammit. Um Alright, so let's start off with like I guess the biggest chunk, which is just the amount of layoffs that we've been having in the video game industry in the last twenty nine days, basically the start of 2024 there's been a shit ton of fucking layoffs my man um yeah i agree man i think the first one we should probably look at is the riot games one like 530 employees about 11 percent of their workforce are being laid off we're looking at their press release regarding like you know how they're communicating it looks like they're getting dissident of severance packages but it's a lot of like, you know, your corporate speak about, hey, it's not you, it's me, you know, that kind of talk going on. I got to hold the accountability, but you're the one losing the job while I stay at the job, Mr. CEO, that kind of going on. Yeah, but I mean, you like you said, they are getting a pretty decent severage package, it looks like. So I give Riot props for that, at least. Um, they're taking care of their people, and it looks like they have a lot of... Um, after helping as well so like helping them get jobs and stuff i think they're they're even letting them keep their laptops too yeah i think after they talk to the it and make sure they're not carrying around any kind of company property or ips or ideas or something like that so that you know they don't become a competitor or anything of course like but the weird thing is like what exactly is causing the riot games uh their personal like you know corporate reasons that they are having to lay lay off a lot of people uh in the News, you know, in the press release itself, Riot Games CEO is saying a lot of the strategic areas that they wanted to go into did not pan out since 2019, right before the pandemic was heading up. And a lot of those investments are falling through, not really kind of catching any kind of tailwind that they could ride onto. And it didn't really specify what areas he was specifically talking about, but looking at what are the areas that they have decided to stop supporting it looks like some one of those areas includes league of legends emea championship in europe which was as i understand it more popular than the north american version of it they're also trying to discontinue riot esports network which would have been a rival for twitch as they were trying to put some big steps into the streaming area lec as i already said it those are the areas that are getting the biggest and the deepest of the cut when it comes to like the amount of people that they're firing percentage wise that's the department that's getting a big cut so they're not trying to i guess they're trying to scale back from the esports area for broadcasting it yeah it i think like you said uh, a lot of it is just from pre-pandemic and right kind of when the pandemic hit they saw a lot of growth a lot of companies did so i I feel like they kind of just overhired and and overcompensated. Like you said, they a lot of their uh, what they had panned out or were trying to get to didn't pan out. So not just Riot Games, but also X or Microsoft as well. Excuse me, they had some closures too. They laid off uh, 1,900 employees, mostly from Activision Blizzard, but also Xbox and I believe it was ZeniMax as well. Uh, they had a couple from there get cut yeah i guess microsoft you know paying about what 70 or 60 billion dollar for one of the biggest acquisition ever made in the market now they're trying to take the cost like how they paid back so i guess nothing comes for free you know uh, it looks like the ceo mikey barra right uh he is also leaving the company but i'm sure he's getting quite a bit of uh, bonus before he leaves because he managed to be part of that big acquisition so uh, good for him i guess 
but yeah, it's uh, interesting that you know they paid so much money for this company, and now about so many of their employees are being let go at the same time as Microsoft is trying to change the trajectory of its gaming market. Yeah, yeah, Mike Yarba there, he's the Blizzard Activision CEO, if you didn't know. But um, I, I have seen a lot of people are actually glad that he's stepping down. So yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any kind of personal opinion of Mr. Ibarra or something? I don't myself. I don't know the fucking guy. But I mean, uh, a lot of people that I, I have read on Reddit and stuff, they didn't like um, his vision for Blizzard Activision. They, I guess he did a lot of shit that people just didn't like straight up. <laughs> so. Yeah. Hey man, it's a lone, it's it's a lonely place to be at the top, I guess. Uh, I would have had <laughs> have shared some, uh, you know, uh, sympathy, but that's the thing. Like they completed about sixty eight point seven billion dollar acquisition. They're letting a lot of key people go. Usually, these executives who just finished up, you know, their major mergers and acquisition, they usually get like a really really good bonus, uh, even if they don't get fired. They had like a, like you know, basically. It's like saying Microsoft paid the owners of the Activision Blizzard $68.7 billion for that property, and their CEO, Mikey Barr, is the one who managed to get that amount of sale on that end. So he'll get a pretty good chunk of change before he leaves, I bet. Uh, you know, he's been there for quite a while as well. So good for him, I guess, but not good for the, you know, nine, what is that, 8% of the Microsoft's gaming division who are about to get laid off. And I'm sure their internal memo also had, you know, it's not you, it's me kind of speak going on. And here's some severance package. Please don't sue us or anything like that. You know, we're going to cut a couple of these things here. Yeah. Um, also, to go with that, uh, Sledgehammer Games as well, they laid off about 30% of their staff kind of going in with all the layoffs and stuff. I mean, it makes sense, though, too, because, like, you know, the Microsoft Activision uh, Blizzard acquisition there that they did, it makes sense that they're going to be laying off people, right? Because you're going to have a lot of overlap. You know what I mean? So it, it makes sense that Microsoft is going to lay some people off. It fucking sucks, you know? Yeah, but it it definitely sucks. I mean, you know, I don't know about you. I've been on that receiving end of uh, that uh, breakup letter once in a while. So <laughs> it's never easy because now you have to kind of like, and usually you're living in a very high cost of living area when you're working for entertainment or a like gaming kind of company. And suddenly when you're out of job, like, hey, your unemployment benefit is not going to cover your rent immediately and your severance package, it better be really, really good. And for yeah. a lot of the people in that area, they've not been with the company for long enough to have a, you know, duration-based severance packages. You know, usually like after you've been in with the company for a couple of years, your severance package is quite significant. But if you've just been somebody who got hired in 2019 uh, or like around pandemic or post-pandemic era, uh, you're not going to have accumulated enough amount of years that you would be able to qualify for a sizable kind of, you know, severance packages. But uh, yeah, it's it's just a, like, I, I don't want to keep doing like, you know, depressing news after depressing news about layoff. Like, I don't want our podcast to be just about laying <laughs> off people, which is what we've been talking about. But this is the big trend. This is basically what's happening around in the gaming market. And in a very unique manner in the gaming market only too, not only, but like, specifically affecting the gaming market when it comes to layoff. And people are like banging their heads left and right. I mean, not literally, but trying to figure out what exactly is causing this kind of downturn in gaming market. While 
you know, the recent uh, economic reports were showing like, you know, GDP growth of about 3%, which is good for a country like United States. We're getting a lot of investment in other areas. We're recovering from the, you know, inflation that we were happening. So why is it that the gaming market is suffering from kind of a lag when it comes to seeing those progress, especially considering 2023 has been such a successful and not a profitable, but like very successful year for gaming itself? Yeah, another article that I had sent you, Ari, uh, it looks like back in 2023, there was a record of 10,500 developers, artists, testers, people in the gaming industry that were laid off. So far, you know, the 29 days of January 2024, we've already seen 6,050. That is huge, right? Yeah. And like you said, you know, so many people are sitting there going, why, why, why? What's going on? And I mean... I we're we're seeing a lot of price raising everywhere, right? I mean, groceries are costing more, rents costing more, gas is costing more. Everything is going up, and it's also the same with video games as well. You know, it's it costs more to to make your AAA games. You know, it costs more to keep these people on. All that good shit. It, yeah, it's unfortunate and sucks, but it, it's the way of the world that we live in right now. Yeah, I mean. Let's talk about that article you just sent. Uh, you, you sent me a while ago, and this is an article from the blog, MatthewBall.vc. And I think of all the people that have been talking about this kind of, uh, you know, video game industry and the layoffs that are happening, I think he has a, or he or she or whoever it is, they've researched a quite a decent amount of like, you know, accumulated data and looking at it from a broader perspective, what's exactly happening in the gaming industry that's causing these kind of layoffs that are happening. And I think a lot of the conclusions that he's kind of giving here are quite interesting to see. Of course, he's naming some of the more you know useful suspects when it comes to what's causing the developers being fired is that you know one of the things he's saying, overall, the video game revenues are not increasing as fast as other sectors of the economy, or the fact that you know the cost regarding making video games, which includes paying your employees livable wage from at the place where they have to be hired, like Montreal or LA or San Francisco or wherever these you know video game companies get set up. Other reasons I'm looking at here from his blog that are kind of being blamed is like, you know, a lot of the times there was like a false dawn that was happening during the COVID era, which brought a lot of people into the video game industry. But after the COVID was over, people started going getting out of the gaming hobby that they were acquiring and they were kind of moving along with their normal life to be resumed pre-pandemic. And that is also causing kind of a slump. COVID kind of delayed a lot of the video game development because of the, you know, staying at stay at home, the quarantine rules and et cetera. So he's naming a lot of good uh, usual suspects regarding uh, the why is it that we're not seeing a lagging effect on the gaming industry when it comes to employees being fired. Yeah, I think the pandemic is probably a huge offender. Like you said, it seems like a lot of companies overextended their hand and they just hired a ton of people. Um, and now we're seeing that the repercussions of hiring so many people is, you know, it, it they can't keep up with it, right? So they got to cut the fat down, wh- whatever you want to call it. Um, it sucks. And, you know, you hate to see these talented people get laid off. Hopefully they get picked up elsewhere. You know, time will tell. It's our, one of our phrases we love to say all the time over here. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I mean, you, you can't predict the future. You know, w- we could go right into another pandemic, you know, two months from now. And then, you know, what happens then? You know, people are back to being at home and having time on their hands again, playing video games and stuff. And we see another resurgence, right? 
So yeah, yeah, and by that, Ian is trying to say in a more speculative, hypothetical manner, he doesn't have an inside knowledge about what's going to happen in a couple of years, right? Bye, Ian? bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hijack by Jack. Well, this is what I'll say, right? In, in the same uh, blog that we we're talking about, uh, and I'll link this blog in our show notes and everything. So, if anybody who listens to this podcast wants to check it out, it's a very good, detailed, thorough article too. It's talking about how much of a social aspect was there when it comes to how you were playing a video game during pandemic era as well. So what he's calling is called the Metcalf Law. And let me look up what exactly his definition for that one is. Um, Don't worry, I'm going to cut quite a bit of the section on that. In the meantime, I'll fill up the airspace. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and buy your Chesterfield cigarettes. So basically, like the uh, Metcalf Law states that the financial value or influence of telecommunication network is proportional to the square of the number of connected users of the system. So a particular game is more valuable when it's being played with more people. And it also works in reverse, is that if some of those people leave, then the effect and influence that particular game has is much more magnified as well. So Usually, like you know, when you consume a product, like one consumer equals one additional revenue adding it, and when you lose one consumer, you're, that's one consumer losing in a direct proportional manner. But in video games, usually the ones where you play with your friends and etc., when two users come in, it's more likely that you'll have three or four users coming and join them. But if two users live, then it's more likely now that three and four users will live because of those two users. So in pandemic, when you're trying to play a video game, you're like, hey, guys, you want to play the Jackbox game? Or, hey, you want to play, you know, Among Us or Fall Guys? Everybody's in the house doing nothing. So they gather their friends. It's much more easy to bring them in. But after the pandemic is over and one of the friends is like, you know, I don't really want to play this video game anymore. I want to go to whatever millennials go to. It's like, you know, go to the brewery and then get shit fest drunk or something like that. Then, yeah, you know, they're going to start going back to the breweries or they're going to start going back to their, you know, their fancy coffee or whatever, the darting or Top Golf or whatever they do. Uh, this episode is not sponsored by Top Golf. It will <laughs> never be. But what I'm saying is like, as those people go back to one or two people from that network get out of the video game, it drags other people with them as well because now it's less of an incentive to stay in that network, in that game itself, right? So after the pandemic, that's the main cause. Like, you know, people are like, no, video game is not establishing a permanent habit for me. And they're starting to move out to their regular habit that they had before the pandemic or something new, like, you know, traveling or whatever, and it leaves the gaming market who had invested so much money when they were high in the revenue. Well, now all of those things are going to start come crashing down. It's like you're not going to need as many employees or the technologies that you've been spending on because you just don't have enough audiences and your revenues are going to start falling. Yeah. And, you know, you, you lose people or, you know, your game just kind of sucks and you lose people that way. And speaking of people's games that fucking suck... We got the day before CEOs back at it again, my man. They're uh, making a new mobile game, supposedly, from uh, Word <laughs> on the Street. That Ian, you just wanted to move from the... Uh, the it's depressing, man. <laughs> uh, well, all right, all right. I mean, listen, we're not going to try to focus too much on the unemployment only because, well, technically, the news you just shared about the day before is a little bit employment related too, isn't it? employment I mean, of two people what's your yeah what's your 
What's your opinion on it? What exactly do you think they can on that end? Uh, dude, I mean, come on. We we saw how badly this the days before got fumbled, right? Yeah. It, it fumbled so bad that within the week that it released, it was already getting pulled from Steam. People were getting refunds, right? Now you got these guys going back out there, you know, a phone game. Like, can you be any more fucking scam artisty, right? Like, come on, Ian, come on, come on. I mean, these are the only developers that are actually hiring instead of firing right now. So you got to give them that credit. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> they hardly, are. dude. Hardly. <laughs> they said one of the reasons why the day before failed was because of all the negativity that they got. I, I, I don't want to take their side again and again. I've shared my opinion <laughs> about. <don't>. The, <laughs> I've shared my opinion about it. Like what what I think happened with these people. But hey, these people gotta eat too. They gotta. I mean, they're not gonna go and become a plumber, are they? Now, Ian, they're not gonna go become a house contractor. They know game development. Or at least they think they do. Yeah. I was going to say, they maybe they should it. try those other things. <laughs> oh, man. What if they turn out like in the HGTV, like in you know, a property brothers or something, and they're just like developing like you know, houses instead? Maybe they should give their hand. But I'll say this, like, you know, uh, I mean, I want to keep in touch with the mobile gaming news and et cetera, but I'll probably not play this game. But maybe... Oh, come on, Ari. <laughs> give them a chance, you know? <laughs> I, maybe I will if they don't, you know, scam the money out of my teeth with the mobile my, my microtransaction or something. But, you know, uh, it's they're in a kind of it's not like you can exile these people from gaming industry. No, that's not something you can do. It's like shame them so much that they stop making video games, go live in like a secluded house somewhere in Russia or something like that. They can't do well, that. They, they got to make job. They got to you know make money or something like that. Yeah, but it's it's shame them so they understand what they did wrong so that they can correct themselves and actually release a product in one that works. Well. That's what they're doing. Maybe they're doing exactly what their skill level yeah. is for, you know. Instead this, of a giant like, MMORPG, go for a mobile game. <laughs> Don't shoot for the stars. Aim a little bit lower. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll say this, Ian. Good luck to them. I mean, hopefully they will be able to climb out of it. What they did for, like, you know, raising expectation, yeah, of course, is that's not very good. And then managing to deliver a such a atrocious kind of end result uh yeah i mean i heard uh i heard that they said that they're gonna make a game better than candy crush oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is impossible that yeah, is the best right. game that has ever been made that is the <laughs> that is the highest grossing if money talks that game that game shouts that's what yeah, i'll tell right Right. <laughs> if my yeah, if my if my neighbor, I'll say this: if my like you know seventy year old neighbor knows your game's name, that's like me in third world country knowing Michael Jordan. Okay, that game should not be underestimated, and it'll stay at the top for a long, long time, for good or for worse. Yeah, I, I guess. Well, let's move on from that clown show right there, and we got some Walmart news. They're uh, getting ready to get rid of uh, physical games within the coming week or two, uh, starting, I guess, with Xbox games. Yeah. Yeah. My apologies on that end for you, man. My condolences. I don't know if you were still buying your physical game from a Walmart, like a bin or something, but, oh, man, that got to hurt for you, don't it? I've uh, shed a few tears, to say the least. Yeah, I would, you know, that, one of my favorite part, like going to Walmart, is going to that giant bin of DVDs and like video games that they just pile everything in and dig yeah. for gold. Like that is like $2 for a game. 
Well, here uh, from this one, right, uh, quoting this article from comicbook.com, an internal memo has surfaced online stating all copies will be reduced to three cents and sales will be blocked by the store system and then removed from the store. So they are going to try to get rid of as much as they can before they have to throw this all out. Yeah, so uh, if uh, you live by a Walmart, check out the dumpsters in the coming week or two. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like I'll probably end up doing it nonetheless. I mean, have you seen my shirt that I'm wearing right now? I have five of these shirts. This is a brewery shirt. Oh, no, I am one of those millennials who go to brewery. No, fuck. <laughs> Uh, where you spend your time at. <laughs> oh, no. Breweries are like hooters for millennials. People don't know. That's where you go get shit-faced and just harass the waitresses there. So so supposedly it's starting with Xbox, but we'll, we'll, we will see, I guess, Sony and Nintendo as well losing physical copies there. Here's an interesting part about that one, right? It looks like this is being done and even funded a little bit by Microsoft too. Like usually like, you know, a company would be absolutely angry if Walmart decides to completely throw away all of their product from the shelf or something like that. But because Microsoft is already gearing up for the next, you know, era of how they want to sell or develop or publish games as they're moving more towards the online, they're actually kind of funding the move for Walmart as well into this decision. So this is being done in conduct with Microsoft when it comes to like in this wholesale and everything else. Um, Yeah, it also goes back to part of the layoffs that Microsoft did of uh, 1,900 people. They closed down, I don't know if I put that on our notes or whatever, but they closed down their um, physical gaming division, whatever that means. So that kind of is a big tell right there. I've also seen a lot of rumors talking about um, Microsoft is wanting to go all digital for their next uh, console, which isn't really surprising because that's kind of what they tried to do with the Xbox One, but then got a lot of pushback and stuff. So then we still got physical copies. So you're saying they're not going to have the slot for the CDs? This is going to be a box, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, they already, you know, you have the X and you have the S. The S is a downgraded version, but it is an all-digital one. So they're already kind of doing it. Yeah, it's, uh, well, that's, you know, kind of a swan song then, right? I mean, like that era of just being able to plug in your game and et cetera. I think one of the things, like, and this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but the new design for the Series S uh, that the full like digital version or even the gaming consoles, I don't really like it. It's just a giant fucking box, to be really honest. <laughs> the older designs, I thought were like much better, like up to like 360, in even all the way to the Xbox One. I thought it had this one like you know, slick kind of good like you know design and etc. But the new one, it just looks like a giant fucking box. Looks like an oversized uh, Amazon Alexa on steroid. It just doesn't look good to me from design-wise. So that one's the X. That one's actually the disc version one. The S is the smaller one. It's like a brick, more or less. Yeah, I, I can literally build a house by putting them between the cement. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, uh, so what else do we got here? We got some more news from Insider Gaming on Pokemon. Pokemon is doing some investigation on the hot new game, Pow World. So Ari, I don't. I, did you see? Did you see that game when it came out, Ari? Uh, I saw after it blew up every corner of the internet. Like Fucking it's getting a huge amount of you know, plays and etc. Huge man. 
the cojones on these motherfuckers. I mean, I think uh, they had 2 million active users on Steam at one point. I mean, it quickly rose up there to at least the top five most popular games on Steam. At least. I, I, it's wild. It's beating Elden Ring, right? When it comes to like oh, yeah. daily, daily plays. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, people have gone nuts for this game. It's a, And if you don't know, it's a survival type game. So, like, you got to mine for resources and stuff like that. And you have these little pals or, you know, they look very similar to Pokemon, which is what this article is talking about. Um, a lot of people have sent in emails to the Pokemon company saying, hey, uh, it looks like they're kind of stealing your assets and stuff because they are very similar. But uh, you basically survive with these pals. You get on a server with like 32 different people. Or if you remember the old Minecraft public servers, it's very similar to that. So it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I kind of want to get it. I'm not going to lie. Well, here's in the article, right? A lot of the inquiries are being made by people, you know, probably who play Pokemon and were probably not happy to see what's happening in the game. And a lot of the inquiries are reaching the uh, Nintendo. But it's not Nintendo themselves that are directly naming Power as a copyright infringement yet. They're probably going to start doing that pretty soon, though, it looks like it. Because of the concerns from people about Power using assets from the Pokemon for its game, the company will say it will investigate the game and its developer for any potential IP infringement. Now, I don't know what kind of parody law that Japan has, uh, but in the United States, that would have been completely legal to do, to do like a parody of Pokemon, right? Like, or a parody of like, what's that comedian? Is that Nathan Filter or something who made a dumb Starbucks to compete with the local Starbucks? This is saying like, you're allowed to do that because it's a parody, even though like this lawsuit or whatever, it's not lawsuit, but like, even though this investigation will come up, I think hopefully they have enough legal leeway for themselves to kind of maneuver around that they will be able to stick around. And because a lot of people seem to be enjoying it, they'll be around for people to play it rather than being, you know, taken off from the platforms. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope it continues with the success that it has seen. Um, I think what they're mainly concerned, though, is that is, is the assets, is that they use the direct assets from Pokemon. So it's not something that they made themselves, but they literally just took Pokemon assets and just reskinned them, basically. I think that's kind of what the big issue is. Yeah, so. but, but yeah, it's a hot new game. You know, a lot of people are playing it. And let me ask you this question on this one. Yeah. So you said you might want to check it out, right? Like of yeah. all this, I mean, you've been checking out on streaming sites. I bet, like you know, streamers playing it as well. Yeah. Like what? What about this game concept that is attracting you? Um, it's the survival aspect, the you know, like the building and stuff, and just the general surviving, collecting, you know, the pals or whatever yeah. the fuck, and then using them to battle other ones and shit. You know, I mean, it, it's like. Uh, that game Pacific Drive it's coming out uh, next month at the end of the month it's a PS5 exclusive game it's another survival type game where you basically drive around in your car in like the Pacific Northwest or whatever while there's like some sort of event horizon crazy shit going on and you have to like survive and repair your car and shit like that so it's just it's just one of those kind of games where I, you know it looks interesting like that so it's I don't know like I was checking it out as well you know watching people play it and Something about it just made me exact opposite of being attracted to this game. I, I'm this game is definitely not for me at all. It uh, the Pal World, not the Pacific North. That one, that one sounds pretty cool. Uh, but Pal World, it's kind of hard for me to explain it. But 
for me, there is nothing attractive about this game. Because, like, first of all, the premise of the PAL world, you know, the Pokemon with guns is the oldest Pokemon joke ever. You know, <laughs> hey, you know, Pokemon is just dog fighting, right? That's just good vibe. <laughs> like, but, like, yeah, you know, but, like, that's the oldest joke. And PAL world, you know, it has the crafting section, survival section. It's asset for open world looks like, like somebody copied Breath of the Wild but decided to take off that, you know, beautiful ethereal kind of uh, effect that it has and just put it, dump it right there. Like, to me, Pal World is just the most cynical game that I've ever seen. So I I have a question for you, Ari. Have you seen the new Pokemon game that came out? I know, I know. Like, I don't play Pokemon either. But like, Pal World is not just like uh, copying, not copying, but like, Pal World is not just making a statement about Pokemon. It's making a statement about so many other games too. It has the crafting section, no, no, like no, 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 Minecraft no. and etc. Go ahead. I, no, I, I mean, like, have you seen the state of the game? Yeah, but yes, yes, I have. But <laughs> at least, like, I can say, you know, there is not a lot of cynicism itself in Pokemon game. Like a lot of people who like the reason they are complaining about Pokemon is because we've been playing Pokemon since we were ten years old. The new Pokemon games are more suited for kids who are going to be playing this for like their first or second or third time like a pokemon has always been a game for like you know your 10 to 15 year old kids usefully and the reason we get to be cynical about pokemon is because we've been playing it since like you know half our life now but the problem is though is that the way the the state that the game is releasing it like assets not loading a lot of like missing textures shit like that they're not on their their game right Pal World has released and it's like it's very smooth, it runs good, there's good draw distance, you know, you can see a lot. Yeah. Pokemon's missing all that. But that's because Pal World is not really doing anything innovative with his asset. It's really like and it's taking some of the most popular concepts of video games that are out there, like crafting from Minecraft or, you know, your uh open world kind of survival that is very popular. Pokemon itself, a very popular type of game. A genre is itself a Pokemon sometimes. It's taking a lot of the popular thing and it's saying, you know what? People love this kind of game. I'm just going to put them all together in one single game. I'm not going to focus on something specific. I'm not going to try to develop something unique. I'm not trying to put, like, you know, as a developer of power, like something unique into a game. I'm literally just going to put whatever is popular and smash them together into this Frankenstein of a game and then hopefully people will like it and of course people liked it and I'm not going to judge people for it but to me that always indicates like you know somebody's just saying oh I can just get the most popular thing put them together and turn it into the most popular game right now and he's being that person is being proven completely correct on that end and that is like what for me kind of pisses about pisses off about pal world is that it is a cynical look at video games themselves. Like it's not focusing on something like you know, that the developer wants to tell a story with or a certain kind of gameplay that they want other people to experience. Like that joy of you know making a game because you want other people to have something fun that you thought was unique to your idea and putting them out in a game. It's literally like a lack of a better word, a major derivative of everything that is popular out there right now from like using your creatures to use the... Uh, uh, using your creatures to kind of, you know, build up your mining and etc., enslaving your creatures or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> the crafting, all of these things like and that are being done in other games in so much better way because those games focus on those specifically. But Power World has decided to kind of just take, you know, I'm just going to take like a, 
80% of that or like 70% of that and put them in the game. Yeah, of course, it's not going to have a lot of bug because it's not providing you the best value of that feature. It's just providing you an average value of that feature, but it's providing all of the like you know popular things in gaming industry right now and putting an average version of it. Like you look at every single, well, one single aspect of the game itself. Like, do you see somebody who has put in thought and care into that game? Like you look at the Pokemon or pals, basically, they're just literally like carbon copy of Pokemon. So you see just a little bit, you know, changed here and there. You look at the shooting aspect of it. It's basically Fortnite shooting. You look at the crafting aspect. It's basically Minecraft's crafting. Like even when it tries to chop off the wood, it's making the same sound. It's making the same you know, interaction. Like if you really just focus on one section, you'll see it's an average version of the good thing that are out there. And I, I don't know if I'm kind of explaining it properly. It's such a cynical way of looking at video games that, oh, People would just pay whatever money we ask them to pay if we just give them whatever like is popular right now. And a lot of video game companies are going to look at this and they're going to say, EA is going to take a look at it and like, oh, this actually works. I'm going to do exactly the same thing with other bigger games. I'm going to take, instead of these smaller games, I'm going to take the popular games and take their popular aspect and jam it together into my next EA game. And I'm going to make sure Ian pays for that EA game full price. So I'll say this because... I want to go back to talking about, you know, Nintendo and Pokemon, right? It's a big company, Game Freak, right? A lot of people working on it and shit. Did you know that this project started out with four people on Pal World? No, I did not. No, no, it is a small one, yeah. Four people, which grew to 40 people, and that's it. 40 people working on this game versus an entire company like Game Freak. That. You know, I don't know why you keep comparing to Pokemon. I don't play Pokemon either, but it does well, not. That's the, the that's the closest thing you can compare it to, right? Because you got you got the pals, which is the primary focus is is collecting pals, and then the survivability, which, like you said, is in a lot of different games. Um, uh, the forest, it's a it's a survival game, and it it's exactly like that. Minecraft too, yeah. you know. It, it like you said, it does take all those concepts, sure. But when you look at the dev team and how, how many people there were, it's pretty impressive for the amount of people that they had working on it. Yeah, listen, like success when it comes, I can't yeah. criticize it, right? But when I'm kind of like, you know, playing a game, I'm not going to think about, oh, how many developers did this game have when I'm playing it? Like that is not on my foremost of the mind. It's impressive that it's only four people. Now I'm not surprised because 40, of course, 40, 40, 40. now, but like, because it's going to keep on growing if it gets bigger and bigger, like it's going to probably hire even more people probably if it has something substantial to kind of later on, like in a bank itself on. But it's just what it's telling me about video game industry and how this developing team is looking at it. That's kind of very depressing for me to look at. It's just a, such a cynical way of looking at video games in general. It's just like saying, I'll just take whatever is popular, put them together, and that's what people will want. And in a way, they've been proven right as well. And I will say this, like, you know, like the game, like it looks like it's going to be fun for a couple of hours, but then it has a steep drop off and like, you know, not many people kind of wanting to play. Some games even benefit from this kind of a feedback where like a game gets slightly popular, streamers pick it up and then it gets more popular and even more streamers pick it up. And sometimes some games can really benefit from it as well. But it doesn't really like, you know, tell me that when I'm playing this game or when I'm looking at this game, because honestly, I've not played it that this game was made by somebody who gives a shit about video games in general. It's made by people who kind of know the formula of the game 
industry and then be able to put them together. And the most benevolent thing I can say about it is that they took a risk. It's a smaller team that are developing something that is being played by a lot of people. And that alone is very impressive. But the message I'm getting from this game is so, not so, but like kind of depressing in such a cynical manner. Like, I don't want to be a cynical person. I don't want to think like, that's what video games are. It's just give me a dopamine hit once in a while. And that's all the video game needs to be. For me, like I've always told you, like for me, video games are so much more than like, and it's about, you know, people putting a lot of their passion in their stories and et cetera. So for someone like me, it's looking at this being successful. It's not that depressing, but like, it's kind of like, you know, uncomfortable is the weird thing I want to say. But I, I know what you mean, like, you know, comparing with the Pokemon and everything else. But I just don't like the messes of the game, to be really honest. Uh, that's probably why I'm probably not going to play it. It's definitely not for me, but I'm glad to see that a lot of people play it and a lot of people will enjoy it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, people are going to want to play what people are going to want to play. You know, if you enjoy something, you enjoy something. You know, there's you, sh- you shouldn't hate on people that do want to enjoy it and stuff. Um, that's my big thing. I mean, even people that want to play Scarlet, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and stuff like that. You know, like, I don't hate on the people that, you know, want to play that and enjoy that. My thing is, is, is your game work? Does it work? You know, what kind of, what kind of, you know, state are you releasing it in? Payday 3, that game did not fucking work. Cyberpunk, when it first came out, did not fucking work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, those are huge studios and stuff like that. Pokemon Scarlet and stuff. There's a lot of broken shit from what I've seen in those games, you know? I absolutely agree. Outworld works. Yeah. But that's the thing, right? Like the games you mentioned, they, they're trying to do something unique, so they will have like hurdles that they will meet. I don't want to make an excuse for them, okay? <laughs> yeah, but but like I don't want to like you know uh, your criticism is absolutely valid. Like that's what turned me off from Cyberpunk. And that's so much that I didn't want to play the new DLCs and I said it, it like it really did turn me off on that end. But I yeah, can at least say like they they tried something completely different and new. And even if the game was not very good, you could tell there were some aspects there that. You could tell it's like people, like some people give a shit about that game to make it, try to make that game, even though they completely failed, even in Payday 3 as well, which is apparently, according to the news, you know, not, it's losing a lot of players and it doesn't have a lot of like live players over there right now, right? There's like 300 people still playing it, I think. For an online game? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big fucking yikes, especially how good Payday 2 was. Like, that's not fucking great. Do you think Payday uh, 2 has more players right now than Payday 3? Yeah, more than likely. Probably right. Um, yeah. I don't have the Steam page pulled up, but I would not doubt that. Let's move on, though. Um, we got some Twitch stuff. Uh, they made some changes to streamer payouts, it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... I don't know. Ari, you go ahead and take this one. Sure, yeah. It looks like the Twitch Partner Plus program is creating new uh, revenue scheme for its streamers. It's not something that I know very closely about because I've never really streamed and I've never gotten paid for streaming on any kind of platform except for a local strip club or something. But what I'm trying to say is... Uh, <laughs> so basically, the original was that, you know, you'd have like the 70-30 revenue split between the big streamers, and then you'd have 50-50 split with the smaller streamers who are part of that partner program. So what Twitch is doing is that it's going to, first of all, uh, expand, like, you know, relax the rules for the 70-30. So it won't have like a stringent rule regarding it. It's going to have a lot more people be able to continue to maintain that 70-30 revenue split, the subscription split between 
the big streamers and the Twitch themselves, it's also creating a new tier for 60-40 split so that more people can qualify for it. And then it's also trying to take away any kind of like revenue cap that it had. So initially, they used to have like, if you're a streamer who's making $100,000, then you'll go from 70-30 split to 50-50 again. So they're taking off that cap. So more of the streamer can maintain that 70-30 cap, even if they're like, you know, split, even if they're uh, growing much bigger and making more revenue. And there are a lot of changes for the affiliate partners and et cetera. So in general, it looks like the Twitch Partner Plus program is trying to give more share of the revenue to the streamers rather than giving it for themselves. Now, you know, we were talking about Twitch last few episodes as well, and they're losing money hands and down. So why is the reason that they're doing this kind of generosity? You know, why they're trying to be so cordial with the streamers? It's because they're getting a lot of competitors, right? Yeah, I mean, you got uh, Kick, you got YouTube Gaming. Those are, I think, the only two I can pick up off the top of my head. Exactly. There are a lot of, not a lot, but like there are some major competitors coming out. So they want to make sure that they keep these big streamers with them as much as they can. Although like, you know, it's not always true that if a streamer moves from one platform to the other, that he can, he or she can take all of their followers with them. It's not always true. You can ask Ninja about that. You know, he, <laughs> like, you know, he, I mean, the guy is successful, kudos to him, but he did lose quite a bit of viewers when he had to go exclusive into another platform. But Twitch is also relaxing the uh, ability to stream in multiple platforms as well. So it's, kind of trying to be a little bit more welcoming to big streamers, keep them around, and also allow smaller streamers to have more revenue share opportunities as they you know, climb up into that ivory tower, whatever they want to call it, I guess. <laughs> Ian, you, you and I are so far from that world, part of the world. Like, we, we ain't got to worry yet, right? Yeah, that's it's never gonna happen for me, honestly. Um, I would not. Hey, hey, I'm not gonna let you put yourself down like that, man. I think you have, in my opinion, the best streaming voice I've ever heard in this podcast. But yeah, you you, okay? Yeah, sure. In this one, at least. Um, (laughs) Did you talk about the uh, the hundred thousand dollar cap too that they had? I did. I did. So yeah, they're eliminating the hundred thousand dollar cap that they had. Yeah. On the seventy thirty, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, while you were talking about all that stuff, I was looking up the uh, player base for Payday Two and Payday Three. Payday Three has three hundred and fifty three people playing right now. Payday Two has twenty six thousand people playing right now. <laughs> that's not, you know, that's not those numbers. That's a statement. That's a statement, yeah. right there. That's telling that your game sucks. Let's just go back to that old one. Again, oh, my man, like, I, you know, this is a. I'm not like, and would you say like, you know, people who made Payday 3 don't give a shit about that game though? No, right? I mean, they tried it, they failed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they tried and it just, they they changed too much. That's the problem. You know what I mean? They When you have these sequels and stuff like that, a lot of your player base, you know, and a lot of the people that, that played Payday 3, they wanted to see the same shit that Payday 2 had. They changed just too much of it, which is unfortunate. And I, that's what happened, so... Yeah, we should call our podcast off tangent the way we <laughs> move <laughs> from subject to subject, don't we? Uh, but but yeah, it's uh, I think those are pretty good review for the uh, big news that came out. A lot of layoffs, uh, a yeah. few things about the PAL world. You know, I mean, a lot of people are playing that one. We talked about a couple of things about the Twitch, about Microsoft, uh, App, Apple, and stuff. Well, we didn't talk about the Apple one, but yeah, the last one is just basically App Store now having to relinquish some of the control because of their antitrust investigation in Europe. Uh, App Store will now allow uh, streaming apps on their platform. So like, you know, GeForce Now or something like that. So 
there like this is the same like in a continuation of that epic and google fight a little bit this is like more of a spin-off to be honest than yeah. the continuation but yeah yeah see like you know nobody can stay a monopoly for too long you know uh, people come when you're when you're the king uh people come for your throne well it's like you said you know we're seeing this in real time i think you said that last uh last episode was you know this is something we're witnessing in real time and this is just that the evolution of it you know what i mean it's one step closer to re- relinquishing that monopoly stranglehold that they have. Yeah. So this is the uh, article by The Verge. Developers can now submit a single app with capability to stream all of the games offered in their catalog. Now, of course, stream a game, streaming a game implies monetary transactions, microtransactions, uh, advertisements, and etc. Now, app stores will see, like, you know, if they're allowing it, will they have to modify the rules of how it's being operated? But it's a lot of more of a still business-to-business interaction, we're still not going to see a little bit of a trickle-down on what the consumers are going to affect on it. But the most direct effect is that there are more options for consumers on that end. Yeah, because before you had, like, so if you wanted to play a game from Epic, you would have to download the whole game, right? Now you can just download the Epic launcher and you can play the games right from the launcher and stuff. You don't have to download the individual games and stuff. So, I mean, it's it's a good thing. Yeah, Fortnite's coming back to iOS. Uh, that's what that's another news, right? <laughs> Good for them. Uh, my God, Ian, like you know, some of these games. When I look at it, man, it makes me think how old I've gotten. Like, I, I, I can literally look at a game and I'm like, I'm too old for this shit. This is not <laughs> for me. Give me, give me my payday too. Danny Glover getting too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah, just uh, man, that movie is amazing. The fact that somebody tried to bomb him in his toilet is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love those Lethal Weapon movies, man. They're fucking great. They're great Christmas movies, in my opinion. No, that would be Die Hard. Die Hard. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, no, 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 Like, Die Hard is a movie that happens during Christmas. Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Say what you want. It's, it's okay. a Christmas movie to me. We're, we're going to have to fight this offline, okay, before we do that. But I think we've covered our news, haven't we, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that that's about, about uh, wraps it up there. Yeah. So we can now move on to our game of the week. Yay! Game review. Game review. Game review. Are you are you are you drinking right now, Ian? I wish. No, I. Uh, man, I was so busy today. I didn't. But by the time I got done finishing everything, I didn't even have time to make a drink. So I'm just it's drinking be- some water. It's because we were trying to focus on the OBS shit, right? I mean, yeah, that too. But you know. <laughs> All right. What's your go-to drink? Uh, gin and tonic right now. Really? I mean, water. Yeah, water is what I'm drinking right oh, now. Yeah. But yeah. Are you like a 18th century colonialist, like British colonialist trying to invade India that you only drink gin, gin and tonic? Yeah, maybe. I mean, <laughs> it tastes delicious, man. It's great. Uh, I love it. Yeah. But it's a light and easy. You know, you know, I know you drink gin and tonic because you said that before. I was, I, I've been thinking about that joke since like couple of weeks now god damn that didn't land now nah, you missed that one <laughs> all right uh sir ian let's go ahead and move on to our game of the week i know you played the last of us 2 remastered for ps5 you paid ten dollars for that remaster and well tell me about it yeah so i already had the last of us 2 so like you said i bought the remaster the upgrade it was uh ten dollars i mainly did it for the no return mode I have already beaten the main story of Last of Us 2. Um, gameplay is phenomenal. It's solid. It is one of the top 
third-person shooters out there. Um, I'm not going to say it's the best, but it is very solid. The gunplay is very good. It's tight. The more you upgrade your weapons, you actually feel them get better. You feel the stability being better, the recoil, all that stuff. Um, so it's a it's a very good and tight game. My biggest gripe with it is how floaty the characters felt. So like you would jump and like you would like kind of float around like you were playing Uncharted almost, like the one from the PS3 era. Do you feel like there is a difference on how smooth the gameplay is compared to the single player story mode versus the roguelike? Um, it's about the same. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't change any of the assets. Of course, it uses like literally the same foundation, same building blocks and stuff. The only thing it does is just randomize everything for you. Yeah. So by floaty, then are you saying like there's kind of a, a little bit of a lag to your reaction? Sort of like you like the way you dodge and stuff like it, it it does not feel tight like the gunplay does your character just feels floaty and once you start playing it you'll you would understand like like i said like you jump and you can kind of move around when you jump and stuff and it's just i i don't remember the character feeling that floaty when i initially played it um i could be completely wrong it's been forever since i played it but um no the the gunplay though is very tight where the character feels very floaty so it's kind of a contrast there the roguelike aspect is of course all offline uh part of the game right it's not like a, you have to be online for it or anything no no no. the only thing online is if you want to do like the leaderboard stuff uh so this what they do is they have a uh daily run that you can do which it's the same for everybody it's a randomized run but everybody runs the same randomized run before um, kind of before kind of going to that one then like, do you think the reason it feels a little bit floaty is do you think that helps with making it easier to play a roguelike portion of the game compared to your single player? Because like a roguelike, you know, you're trying to make sure that people don't just die so easily when they're trying to play so that they can continue playing for a longer hours. Like that'd be an incentive for a roguelike game. Like it has to be by mechanics slightly easier than how you play your regular game. That floaty aspect, do you think that hinders your overall gameplay or do you think that like makes it easier for you to play um from like aiming from melee timing those kind of perspective like i said it's mainly when you jump that you feel it that you feel floaty like your character on the ground is fairly responsive like in the movements as like actual kind of fluid movements um it's it's literally only when you jump that you feel floaty um, like I said, everything else is very tight. The The gunplay is very tight. Um, it gets better, like I said, as you upgrade your weapons and stuff. Your your recoil isn't as bad. The, the melee aspect is just as good as the primary game. Literally everything is the same from the no return mode to the single player uh, story mode. It's just that you have random instances that you go through. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. So it's not really that big of a deal. So it's just like that one single, no. like the button prompt that's kind of for some reason is a little bit different from the single player uh, campaign. Well, which... it, it might be exactly the same. Like I yeah. said, I didn't play the, the main story part at all yeah. since I've gotten the remaster upgrade. Yeah. I literally just focused on the no return mode. Yeah. Do you think the porting, like, I don't know. So you haven't played the single player campaign on the remastered version. Do you think like, no. when they port it up to PS5, I was. I would have asked, like, you know, if you had played, it's like if the PS5 port had any kind of issues translating from the PS4 itself, or any kind of issues that can, that you saw while playing it. I mean, it, 
felt largely the same. It was just a matter of remembering the controls. They do some really unusual kind of controls, like to reload your guns, for instance, that you pull the trigger that you would normally fire, except you do it while you're not aiming, and that's how you reload. So it's just trying to remember those those kinds of things. Okay. But right. um it's a good it's a good game. Um yeah. the, the the even the 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 storyline, I don't care for it that much, but again, the gameplay is very solid. Um Naughty Dog did a fantastic job with it. Yeah, they did such a fantastic job. They kept on doing it again and again. And they- yeah, yeah. You know, next we'll get the Last of Us Part One remaster, yeah. remake, redo, <laughs> including Dante from Devil May Cry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, like, okay. So, how does the does the roguelike gameplay get set up uh, from single player perspective? I've seen like, is it like you know, uh, is there any story aspect to it, or is it just you straight in go in and then you start playing it? It's it's more or less you straight go in. Um, I mean, you load up, you pick, you know, you pick what character you want to use. There's about a dozen different characters from each faction, respectively. So you have Ellie's kind of faction side, and then you have Abby's kind of faction side. So you got about six characters each or so. And basically, you know, we, they have challenges to unlock the other characters. You only get Ellie and Abby to start with. You got to go through a couple encounters or whatever to unlock your next character. You play as that character a couple times, unlock your next character, so on and so forth, right? Um, so, so in this game, sorry, uh, in this game, who are you going through? I mean, again, you can choose either faction. So you no, can choose like... Sorry, like, oh, so who are the enemies you're killing, basically? So it's, okay, so it's it's from enemies that are in the game. You have uh, the Rattlers, which is just basically a miscellaneous group of just ragtag assholes that you run into. You have Abby's side, I believe, the wolf wolf people or whatever. Uh, then you have the Sephirites, um, who is like, they cult. use kind of bows and they're, yeah, they're a cult or whatever. Um, and then you have the Infected that you, you know, Obviously, it's the infected. So. so, so as you play the game, you get to unlock not just the Abby and Ellie's side, but like you separate the, the cult. You get to unlock a lot of the people from that uh, different faction as well. Do you ever get to play as the rat, like the uh, infected? <laughs> no, you don't. Um, mostly, bet- so the way the unlocks go is you unlock bosses. So once you clear a run, you unlock another boss. You clear that run, you unlock another boss. And I think there's like five or six different bosses. One of them's uh, the main Rattler guy or whatever, or a uh, main Rattler leader. Another one is Sephirite uh, elites or whatever. So they have like the big two-handed weapon that they come and just punch your fucking face in. And then a couple of them are the infected bosses that you fight in the main story. How long does it take to get to the boss? Is it very long gameplay or like on average like how much would you say like it takes to get to the boss level the levels move through fairly quickly um really it kind of just depends on how quickly you go through it the one that it kind of forces you to go quickly through is hunted that one is a timed event encounter which basically you're being hunted and you just have to survive for x amount of minutes right all the other ones is you're basically just killing the enemies and moving through the level and stuff. And you can kind of take your time with it. So on average, I'd say like probably like anywhere from 20 minutes if you run through really quickly to maybe like 30, 40. Also, depending on what kind of difficulty you play on, you know, I mostly played on just the regular moderate difficulty or whatever. And I was probably averaging like 30 minutes a run or so, 
Because one of the reasons I wanted to ask is like, do you think the level, like until you reach the boss, is it long enough for you to enjoy what I would assume is called like the build in a roguelike game, right? Like in a roguelike game, you start out with something and then you keep on adding like weapons or kind of a special ability or whatever, something you acquire during that uh, particular run. I'm trying to wonder is like, if the gameplay is long enough for you to really enjoy that part of the roguelike game or if it even has it or not. So your run is your overall run. Then you have your encounters that you go through. After each encounter, you go back to your kind of like main hub. And that lets you upgrade your character. Um, it lets you buy weapons or buy you know schematics so you can make bombs and stuff. Let's you upgrade your weapons, stuff like that. You have a board that you look at that kind of lets you choose your next encounter. There's a couple of branching paths and like it's nice because you can look at all the different encounters straight up and just see what each encounter is and what it entails. So it tells you like who you're fighting, what stuff, what style is the encounter? Is it a hunted one? Is it an assault one? Is it a capture one? You know, is it a holdout? So it kind of tells you all that stuff and it lists kind of like what kind of perks you can get. Because uh, there's two times where you get two extra perks depending on the encounter and stuff that you do. So my biggest gripe is like you can't change your loadout. Every character has their own standard loadout and you can't change it. I kind of don't like that. And also like you don't unlock anything to boost your character up when you start a brand new run. Whenever you start a new run, your character is just a base flat, like 0% or whatever, right? And as you progress through your run and you do your encounters, that's you building your character up. But once you beat your boss, you start back at zero. Yeah. So if that's the case, then why have multiple character models to play with? Like, what's the difference between choosing Ellie versus Abby? Do they come with like a special kind of, you know, perks or anything? Yes. So Ellie is, I think she's more of a stealth character. So she starts out more stealthily, has a handgun. Uh, I think she she can make Molotov starting off, stuff like that. Abby is a very stealthy Molotovs. Well, Abby is like a melee character, right? She starts out with skills that enhance her melee attacks and stuff and like her proficiency with weapons and shit like that. So each character has a different, like I said, uh, starting equipment and stuff. Joel has a specialized revolver. Tommy, his brother, he gets, he's the only motherfucker that gets a sniper rifle. You know? <laughs> so it's that, like. That's kind of an unfair uh, advantage. Does he get yeah. infinite bullets or does he get, uh, like, and he has to he, go find bullets? He doesn't have the snake bandana, so you have to find bullets. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what reference that one was. Metal Gear Solid. Okay. I need to play that game when the remaster comes out. Yeah, when you beat the game, you get a your you unlock the bandana, which gives you unlimited ammo. Uh, yeah, it's a good game. Try it out. Um, highly recommend it. But yeah, so you're saying like you know when you choose a particular character, they have certain kind of perk that allows you to play in a certain manner depending upon you know who you choose, right? So yeah, if you choose Abby, you're definitely going to go for melee kind of attack because it incentivizes to do so. Uh, More or less, Ellie yeah. will like you know kind of allow you to do the more sneak kind of stuff, but uh, although like a Molotov cocktail is not really a sneaky weapon in a sense, well, uh, I think... Well, the, the, loud. Yeah, and you mentioned there was a character who uses bow and arrow. That sounds more like a stealth kind of character, to be honest, yeah. than the other one. Is well, there a, you can make explosive arrows. Yeah. Do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, go get yourself the, that. <laughs> the, get an arrow, put up a Molotov cocktail on the tip of the arrow and just 
shoot that instead. Let that motherfucker you, go, dude. Do you have a particular one that you prefer to play with most of the time? Um, so I liked playing as Joel a lot. I actually was able to complete my first run as Joel, and he's like the last character you unlock on Abby or Ellie's uh, faction. Okay. So. Abby was really fun to play too, um, the melee aspect, just because as soon as anyone gets close to you, you just butcher them in the face with a fucking wrench or whatever the fuck. So, I mean, it's each character is unique and offers a different play style. Um, but your go to is Joel. Yeah, Joel, I like playing a lot. I yeah. mainly was just focusing on unlocking all the costumes because, like, once you unlock the character, the only thing you can unlock for him is just costumes by doing certain challenges and stuff. So. Any microtransaction a, on that end? No, no microtransactions. So you've already paid ten dollar for it. Yeah. You gotta get every single fucking worth it, right? Well, technically, I paid sixty for it, but yeah, the ten dollar <laughs> upgrade was yeah, yeah. So one of the things I was looking at a couple of the uh, uh, gameplay videos, there was like one section where the entire environment was like red room photography. Uh, so are you able to like mod this game too? Like you know. Basically, what they were talking about, like there might be a possibility of, like you know, uh, changing certain aspect of your uh, level play. So, like, uh, I'm I'm kind of bambling like I, an idiot. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. because yeah. I, I know I know exactly what you're talking about. So help me, help me here, Ian. <laughs> in your in your encounters, you have mods that um, take effect, right? So one of the ones that you probably saw was the camera mod where the camera filter mod where it changes everything to like a fucking red hue. That shit's obnoxious. I hate that shit when it happens, but you have, you have positive and negative mods that can happen. So like you can get things that like headshots slow down time or enemies take more damage or enemies have more health or enemies are faster. Or when you vault, you can move faster. So there's different mods or you can have some that don't have any mods to it. Um, and it's, it's again, it's all random if you choose the standard mode. You can do a custom run and you can turn mods on and off like as you play. You can ask, actually also, which is um, interesting enough, you can actually get old school cheats for the game. So when you beat the game, you get points that you can buy and unlock like unlimited ammo, infinite yeah. health, stuff like that. You can actually turn those on as as well when you play. That's, you know, that's very similar to the game we play, not we, but I played uh, on guard where like when you have like an arena mode, which is like the roguelike aspect of it, where like if you uh, turn on certain kind of mode for like certain kind of uh, survival play, like when you kill an enemy, they would drop bombs and it's just like it'll be a bomb every single time an enemy is dead and it's like bomb everywhere. So like everything, everything is kind of exploding all the time. Yep, that's a mod that you can get too, and it's fucking obnoxious, dude. It sucks. <laughs> There's nothing like killing an enemy and not moving away quick enough before it explodes and takes you out and fucks your run. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can see some people who enjoy that particular mod if they're like in you know, a long distance killer kind of thing, like sniper yeah. rifle, uh, Tommy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, so like, how long until then you'll be like, okay, I've done enough of this gameplay. Oh, I've already hit this that. Down. Oh, you've already. <laughs> I've already hit that. <laughs> how, many, like, how, many, I, how many hours did you play? Fifteen, I think. Fifteen. Yeah, just the no return mode. I think it was like fifteen hours is what I put in, or something like that. Look, it, I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's it is fun. Again, it's using The Last of Us 2's gameplay and yeah. gunplay, which is very good. It's very solid. It's so good that they remastered the first one to model the gunplay and gameplay that two was right. Yeah. So for ten dollars, it's 
it's worth picking up if you have the game. If you're going to purchase The Last of Us 2 Remastered and pay $70 just to play the no return mode, it is not worth it. So unless you're going to play the story and enjoy the game to its fullest, you know what I mean? Like $10 upgrade, if you liked playing The Last of Us 2, you liked how it felt, you liked the gunplay and stuff like that, the no return mode, it offers some fun stuff to play with. I think that there's not a lot of incentive there for you to keep playing. Like I said, once you unlock the characters, you're just unlocking skins for, you know? So that I've, I've already unlocked all the skins for Ellie's side. So I just have to work on Abby's side. And, you know, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. At this point, I've unlocked all the bosses, you know? So it's like, I've seen, I've seen everything that the no return mode has to offer now for more or less. Yeah. It sounds like there's not really much left for you to kind of wanting to keep exploring that game then. Yeah, I mean, if I want to if I want to do some fun gunplay and stuff and just play a couple rounds real quick, yeah, sure, pop that up, you know, whatever. It's good. We're good to go. I got my enjoyment out of it for 10 bucks. I think it's worth it. I've spent way more on shit that was way worse. So, yeah. All right. So then give it a rating. Uh what is our rating system? Do we have a rating uh, system? Uh is- we are, our unofficial rating system of is it this or that or is it a hundred out of fucking a million? <laughs> um uh, just just the no return mode, if I were to give it like a one out of ten, I'd give it a solid seven point five, I'd say. Just because like it is fun, it is engaging, but there's just not a lot of meat to it. And like I said, one of the biggest grapes I had is that you don't necessarily unlock much for your character to really use once you complete a run. You unlock things as you progress, but not when you complete a run. A lot of the good roguelike games like Enter the Gungeon and stuff like that, you unlock stuff for your character once you beat it, you know? Yeah. Like, usually for a lot of, uh, in my opinion, what I would consider like a successful roguelike game, even though it's not really for me, I think one of the aspects it has is that as you continue like in surviving through it, you discover more part of the stories. Like, it actually impacts your story a little bit sometimes, too. But, you know, this is not what exactly it was designed for. This is just for, like, yeah. you know, enjoying the pure gameplay aspect of it. Uh, yeah, Last of Us, you know, world-renowned for the story that it has. I don't think this one, this part of the game is going to offer anything. But if you've already enjoyed your gameplay, this is basically, like, giving you almost an infinitum around of, like, you know... Uh, same kind of gameplay mode to kind of play. And it looks very exciting. It's getting pretty good reception from a lot of other people as well. So it yeah. looks like it's definitely worth the $10, which is quite small price to get this particular section in there. Yeah, I, that's what I said. Like 10 bucks, it's worth it if you already have the game, right? It's nice to be able to fire up the no return mode and like I said, be able to play with the gunplay, play like the game without having to really deal with the story. You know what I mean? I don't have to sit here and watch long-ass cut screens and shit like that. I can just hop into an encounter, fuck up some people, or get my ass chewed up by an infected, you know, whatever. It's just, it's fun to fuck around with, for sure. That's good to know, man. It's good that uh, you enjoyed the game. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the game I played. I didn't think it's <laughs> no? necessary. No, 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 I'm not going to talk about it. Maybe, maybe next time. Uh, maybe next time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what did you play, Ari? Uh, <laughs> define play. What exactly what have, uh, play so you, means? Yeah. What did you watch, Ari? <laughs> uh, I'll talk no. about it next time. How about that? Yeah. 
Let me yeah, let me that. let me mull it over. Let me think about it. Like you know, I just took a big drag of a cigarette on this game. Now I just want that nicotine to kind of settle in my body for a while, and then I'll talk about it in the next gameplay. Because I thought right. it's a like I didn't hate it, but I'll talk about it next time. How that sound? Right, that's fine with me, man. I mean, we got to have something to talk about next week because uh, Hell Hell Divers Two doesn't come out until February eighth. So hey, there are plenty of other better games coming out than Hell Divers anyway. Fucking, what are you talking about? No way, dude. I thought we were going to play Tekken 8. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because I no. play fighting games, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, you know, roguelike is technically a fighting game. I mean, Tekken used to have a, uh, like a survival mode similar to, uh, like, it was like one of the oldest part of like uh, Tekken, like a long time ago, Tekken 3. It had a survival mode kind of game back in the day. That is one of my favorite ones to play. It's like, unlike, you know, your usual uh, fighting it would be like a side scroller that you can choose any character you want to play. But uh, I don't know what you see off tangent again. We're we're <laughs> hyping off tangent bastards now, yeah. right? But I think yeah, that overall concludes our uh, gameplay, and I think that's all on our end. Uh, anything else for you to add? No, nah, man. Um, I think I'm good. I mean, like I said, I'm looking for Hell Divers. So yeah, be able well, to look up for that. Exactly. I think the game season is finally kind of like kicking up a gear starting February and March. A couple of big games coming out that I'm excited oh, about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be awesome when we when those come out and we'll be able to play. Uh until then, well Ian, thank you for joining, man. As always, uh it's always good to talk to you about the games, even though they're quite depressing sometimes. <laughs> the news that comes out. But it is it is a lot of fun, isn't it? Hey man, I enjoy it and you know, only up from here, right? Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> you don't know that. Until we so, crash. Until we crash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you remember the video game crash of 1980s. We can go much oh, yeah. lower than that, you know. <laughs> but oh, that's for the future and not for us to worry about. But yeah, thanks again for joining. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, it's at hypingbastards at gmail.com. And also we have a YouTube channel as well if you want to go out and Listen, you know, put something on your computer, second monitor while you're doing some work or whatever, you know, go to at Hyping Bastards in the YouTube to find our podcast there as well. So thank you again. Bye-bye. Later.